Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. On your notes, Isaiah 40. We're going to Isaiah 40 tonight. We're talking about charging your battery. Spiritually speaking, you and I have the ability to obviously continually recharge ourselves from a spiritual perspective. Stay strong spiritually. You know, the goal of Christianity is to be spiritual. Spiritual. Now, that's not wacky. That's not weird. That's not fruity. You know, sadly, we have people on both ends of the spectrum in every aspect of Christianity and life. You have people that are on a religious side of Christianity. So there's really no spiritual aspect of it. It's more so just a man-made religion, man-made system. But then you got people who, you know, claim to be spiritual and they're fruity. They're, I'm just being honest. They're just weird, fruity people. Say, God's not a fruity person. Tell your neighbor, God's not a fruity person. He's the, most stable, he's the most stable person you know. So the other side of spiritual for some is like, well, I won't get too far off in that spiritual stuff. And, you know, no, God's not fruity, man. We're spirit beings. We're supposed to be spirit governed and spirit led. And therefore, our spirit man, as the Bible teaches us, can be recharged, can be strengthened. So we're going to talk about this tonight, charging your battery. Isaiah 40, if you're there, say amen. Isaiah 40, 28. 4028, have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God? Who is he? Tell me out loud, please. Like you really are in love with him? The everlasting God. Notice this, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Listen, he neither faints nor is weary. He neither faints nor is weary. Listen, his understanding is unsearchable. I don't mean you don't search it out. It just means he lacks no, uh, he lacks no understanding. He understands everything. He has no lack of understanding. Say, he does not faint, nor grow weary, nor does he ever run out of understanding. No, he understands everything. And you and I have him living in us. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. Underline it. He gives power to the weak. Now, obviously, there's multiple ways this could be interpreted. Well, if I get weak, he'll empower me. True. But honestly, if you line this up with the New Testament, Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's really the reference here. When he says he gives power to the weak, it means I empower those who don't rely on themselves, but they rely on me. They're drawing strength spiritually. So if you're relying on yourself, you're trying to find a new energy drink, a new vitamin, a new something to give you strength. But there's a spirit in you called the Holy Spirit who really will quicken your mortal body. Who really will energize and empower your mortal body. Now I'm not telling you that there's not things that we should not do to take care of our physical body. We should. Absolutely we should. And you know, I'll guarantee you there's a lot of people too that don't look at that aspect of their life. And they don't do what's ob- the, the basics of what's obvious, even according to scripture, to take care of their body to keep it healthy. But it is the temple of God. And you are supposed to care for it, but you're not supposed to worship it. And by the way, energy, drink, energy, drink, energy drinks are not the way to sustain yourself through the day. The Holy Spirit is. So notice this again. What does God do? He gives power, power, enablement to those who are weak, not relying on their strength. And to those who have no might, what does he do? He Excuse me? Out loud, please. Underline that in your Bible. He don't just give power to the ones that rely on him. He Guess what he can do? Increase it. So there can be a charging, a recharging, a further charging. Because God does what? He increases strength. Verse 30, and he throws in there, even the youth, the youth shall faint and weary. Now, we're not just talking about our youth group. We're not just talking. Youth here refers to those who are less mature than others. Now, in the category, if you look this up in the Hebrew, does talk about younger people because, you know, they think they know everything, right? Moms and dads, they think they know everything, which obviously they don't yet. But the point really here is to understand for us as a believer, 
When he's talking about the youth shall faint and be weary. Why? Because they're not learning how to rely on God. They're not learning how to draw strength from God. Right? People who are not mature as believers will not draw strength from God. Listen to me. If they're not mature as a believer, they're not going to draw strength from God. They're trying to rely on their own strength, their own ability. So you shall do what? Faint and be weary. Even the young men shall utterly fall. Utterly fall. 31. But those who wait on the Lord. Those who what? Those who what? Watch this. Shall renew. Now renew is a word that is like we can say recharge. They shall renew what? Tell me out loud please. Their strength. Watch this. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be what? Weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because their strength is renewed. Now, I mean, how many Christians probably have never not heard this verse before? I mean, most Christians have heard this verse. But why are so many Christians lacking in this area of supernatural strength? Why are so many Christians so wore out? Come on, so depleted today that they don't have the supernatural strength working in their life. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're allowing other things to keep them from waiting on the Lord. Look at your notes, number one. One of the quickest ways to charge yourself up again is to remove, underline that, to remove from your life. Listen to that. To remove from your life the things that are draining you. Well, I thought these verses talked about renewing. They are. Well, what does that have to do with removing things that are draining me? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's only aspects of life that we recognize of stuff we do that would keep us from this that would cause me not to be renewed and recharged. If I'm waiting on the Lord, what am I doing? I'm renewing my strength. If I'm not waiting on the Lord, what am I doing, Pastor? You're allowing other things. You're allowing other things in your life that's draining you of that strength. That's keeping you from waiting on the Lord. Now, wait doesn't mean let's just go sit and wait till God shows up. That's not a bad thing, by the way. I said, that's not a bad thing. To spend time waiting on the Lord to get in his presence, not a bad thing. But the word wait here actually refers, which I've actually got on your notes, the word wait here actually refers to you and I connecting or uniting or becoming one with God. It's you and I choosing to unite ourselves with God. Well, you can do that even while you're still doing your job at work. Because you're thinking about him. Your focus is on him. So I want you to notice, uh, notice this on your notes. 1A, whatever keeps you from God will do what? It'll drain your life. Why? Because it's in him. No, you didn't hear that. 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew what? Come on, read it with me again. Those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be. They shall walk and not If we're weary, if we're fainting, if we are not walking in supernatural strength and enablement and ability, and we feel all wore out, I'm going to tell you why. There are things that are keeping you from God, that are draining your life. Because if you get united and walk close to Him, your strength gets renewed. Well, guess what? There's things in life that will keep you from... Everything in this world system is designed to draw me and you away from God. It's to keep you from thinking about God. It's to keep you from talking to God. You listening? 1B, those who are young, spiritually immature, do not focus on spiritual things. What are they focused on? It's, it's one of my pet peeves as a pastor and as a, just as a child of God. As a minister, yes, but as a child of God. It's one of my pet peeves that I have to really deal with when I'm in another church. I don't see it a lot in my church, thankfully. But I see it a lot in other churches. I'm sitting in other churches where I'm actually getting ministered to or whatever, and I see young people. And you know what I see almost every young person doing? They're on their phone. They're looking at their phone. Then they're looking up. Then they're looking at their phone, and they're talking to their friend. And then they're looking up. And then they're looking at their phone, and they're talking to their friend. Oh, then they're laughing. And the minister's not even saying anything funny. I'm going to tell you why you're going to lack strength as you grow up because you're young and you don't understand. You've got an opportunity to connect with God and receive from God and become stronger in that, in that service. But you're choosing to not be connected. You're choosing to actually get other things in your way. Almost 
Sometimes, although some, don't misunderstand me, some young people like the technology and they use their phone for their, for their, for their Bible. Now, I got nothing wrong with that. I got no problem with that. So it's not like, oh my gosh, my Bible's on my phone. Pastor's talking about me and everybody's going to think I'm looking at something else. Now, you know whether you're looking at a Bible app or not. But I see what's on those phones. Ain't no Bible app. Most of the time it's YouTube, Facebook. Most, of, in most cases, this shocks me more than anything. You know the number one thing I see on, on young people's phones in church? Their texting program. They're texting somebody. What are you doing texting somebody during church? God's trying to text you. God's trying to talk to you. You're busy talking to somebody else. I mean, go sit with somebody that you really actually enjoy being around. And while you're sitting there, just get on your phone and just start texting somebody else. You're going to get nothing out of that conversation. Well, we think we're going to get, do something different with God. You want to know why the body of Christ as a whole lacks strength as a whole? Now, this doesn't just go for young people. This even goes for believers that aren't necessary. Because again, spiritual maturity means I don't realize the significance of what it takes in my life daily to wait on the Lord. To be one with Him. Because if I'm one with Him, guess what? I'm not lacking in strength. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. I'm not lacking in strength. If I've learned how to practice the presence of the Lord in my life every day, I'm being renewed. I'm getting stronger, not weaker. Tell your neighbor, you and I should be getting stronger, not weaker. So what, what's the problem? Carnal things. Carnal things. One C, to wait. Again, as I told you, I'd define it for you. Here's the term in the Hebrew. It means to gather and that means to gather to or to look to the Lord. You're gathering or looking to the Lord. You're gathering to Him or you're looking to Him. Your focus is on Him. And if your focus is on Him, guess what? You're getting stronger, not weaker. So we got to find things in our life that's draining our strength, that's causing us to get focused off of God. That's pulling our focus away from Him and not allowing us to stay focused on God in our life. Any amens on that? Amen. One D, for those who do, what, what's going to happen? They're going to see renewed strength in their life. Absolute. He didn't say it might work. Every time, I know this, even as a pastor, every time I start seeing to my aspect of my life, to the degree my strength actually beginning to become weakened, I know this. I'm too busy with the things of ministry, and I'm not focused enough on God and keeping close to God. Because you can do it in ministry as you can do it as well as anything. A lot of people think, well, you do ministry, pastor, so you're strong all the time. Oh, no. You can do the work of the ministry and never even think about God. Go through the motions of the work of ministry and never think about God. Never do it with Him. Never talk to Him about it. And get caught up doing so many things that you're never spending time with God anymore. We, we had a, a, a little... Um, Coffee get together with Pastor while we were there. The men did, and the ladies had a uh, tea with uh, with Mrs. B. They actually did a little tea thing with her at the church. So the guys, we were at a coffee shop having a coffee together with Pastor and with another great man of God, Keith Johnson. The book I've actually talked to you about before. I wish it was still in print. It's not under the influence. One of the greatest books I've ever seen on dealing with drinking from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible actually teach about it in the New Testament? Don't worry, I'm not going there because I don't want to run you all off tonight that like to drink. So don't get upset about that yet. But I want you to explain something. Keith Johnson did a massive study on this biblically. And what really was wine of their day? Different culture. Totally different culture where Jesus was raised up. But I'll guarantee you, Keith Johnson was there. Great man of God. Walked with God for many, many years. And then uh, Jeremy File, who's the pastor of Accelerate Church, his dad was there. Who owns eight radio stations preaching the gospel around the world who started the church that actually Jeremy now pastors. Great man. So pastor, you know, turned to them and he said, you, you two senior ministers have been walking with God a long time. Give us a nugget. Give us ministers a nugget of something you would share with us. Keith didn't hesitate. If you don't learn to practice the presence of God, get track of his voice and how to hear him and get close to him, I guarantee you, you're not going to be a success as a minister. I'm going to tell you why. You're going to run out of strength. And you're not going to know what to do because you're not hearing from God. How many understand if you know what God told you to do, there ain't a problem walking out what you need to do as an aspect of success. Even if you know you think, see things oppose it, as long as I know God told me to do it, God's in it. So I can do it. But the, the problem is a lot of Christians don't know really what to do. I'm going to tell you why. Because they don't get close enough to God to find out what he wants them to do. 
But if you walk with God every day and practice his presence by obviously making him the priority every day, guess what? You'll not only know what to do. He's also going to see to it you have the strength to do it. Can I get a better amen? So you cannot, as a believer, you cannot, quote unquote, uh, you know, continue, as I've told you before, live on a diet of Twinkies and think God's going to keep you in health. So there are some things you got to do physically, but... But we don't focus on that as our sole strength because guess what? Jesus went in the power of the Spirit many times. What got him through 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness? The power of the Spirit did. You listening? He didn't have the physical strength to get through that. Holy Spirit empowered him to do that. How many want to walk in supernatural strength and charge your battery in the last days? Then guess what? Number one, you got to start looking at what you need to remove from your life that could be draining you. From spending time with God. Guess who's your strength then? Guess where your strength comes from? One source. God. Go to Jude. Book of Jude. One chapter. Some don't even call it a chapter. They just quote the verses. But I'll say Jude 1 because it is one chapter. Go with me to the book of Jude. Or actually in that sense because again it wasn't written in chapter and verse. It is just a letter. It gets broken down into chapters and verses for us to study. Book of Jude, praise God, book of Jude, right before Revelation. And in the book of Jude, we're told this because clearly again, if you want to charge your battery, how are you going to charge your battery? Listen, not by drinking, quote unquote, monster energy drinks. You're going to charge your battery by doing things spiritually to keep yourself strong. Those things are so detrimental to your body physically. It's unbelievable how many young people live on these things today. I have counseled with people who have all kinds of challenges with constantly keeping themselves mentally in control. And, 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 you know, they just get outraged over stuff or get frustrated with stuff easily. And on and on I could go. And I now have to as a pastor almost every time. One of the first questions I have to ask them, are you on on any energy drinks? Because if you are, this is part of your problem. Because what they do is they give you a fake feeling like you're going to get stronger. But the truth is they set you up for a crash. That's exactly what they do. Every doctor will tell you they're one of the most unhealthy things you could put in your body. And yet people live on them. Let me help you. God's strength won't cause you to crash. It'll sustain you. I said it'll sustain you. Book of Jude, number two on your notes. <clears throat> praying in, con- in con- conjunction with the Holy Spirit will have what? A tremendous effect. Not a little. It'll have a tremendous effect of what? Building us up. I know you know this, but let's read it. Jude, verse 16. Notice this. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Verse 17. But you, beloved, so that shouldn't be you. You, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you, verse 18, that there would be mockers in the last days, last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. 19, these are sensual persons, not spiritual. So what's sensual? Opposite of spiritual. They're, they're, they're carnally governed, carnally ruled. Sensual persons who cause divisions. Not having the Spirit, uh, verse 20. But you, beloved, notice, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying how? Why did you put verse 16 in here, Pastor? Actually, I didn't. Dr. Barclay did. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. If these things are actually manifesting in your life, that's proof that you're not being recharged spiritually. If you get recharged spiritually, guess what you don't do? Grumble, complain. And walk according to your physical lust. One amen from Miss Tamara in the back of the room. We're going to get you a separate little chair temporarily up here and put you up on the front row. Amen. Say it. If I'm a grumbler or a complainer, I am not getting strength from God. If you're recharging in God, you're not grumbling and complaining. You're rejoicing and praising. So again, he tells you in verse 17, Beloved, remember the words that were spoken before you by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers. So also another sign that I'm not being strengthened by God, I'm beginning to mock the things of God. 
Well, how do we mock the things of God? Make light of. Make little of church. Make little of the Bible. Make little of giving. Just You start making little of the things of God like it's no big deal. Come on, man. It's just, you know, like our pastor says all the time. People say, let's say Christians say this all the time. It's just church, pastor. It's just church. Jesus didn't say it was just church. He said it was his father's house. He was so zealous for the father's house. When people started selling stuff in the father's house, he made a whip of cords and drove them out. I think he was pretty excited about God's house. So that's not us. That's not me. How do I not go there? Verse 20, build yourself up. Build yourself up. Who the yourself? Who's the yourself? Your spirit, man, which will affect every other part of your being. Build yourself up on your most, most holy faith. How? Praying what? Now, let me touch on a couple things here real quick. How does faith come? Only one way. Doesn't come by reading the Bible. The Bible says it only comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. There's no place in the Bible that says faith comes by reading. It says it comes by hearing. Now, listen, you can read it, and if you'll read it out loud, faith can come. Because what are you doing? You're hearing. What does praying in the Holy Spirit have to do with us building ourselves up on our most holy faith? Okay, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, finish the verse, the Word of God. If I'm praying, guess what's coming out of my mouth? God's words. Because the Holy Spirit's speaking through my spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's speaking through my spirit, the Word of God, what He wants me to say. Therefore, if I'm speaking what God has to say, even though your natural understanding is unfruitful, it's not an unfruitful experience because guess what? Your spirit is getting stronger. Your spirit is hearing those words and getting stronger because your spirit is being engaged. I love something. We were listening to part of a a conference Billy Brim does on the way back. There's a neurosurgeon who I guess is connected with her ministry or whatever. You probably know more about him than I do. But he actually did a study on people praying in the spirit. You know what they found out? When you talk in the natural... There's a part of your brain that gets engaged to cause those words to come out of your mouth. When you pray in the spirit, that part of your gauge is in new, that part of your brain is in neutral. Did you get that? When you pray in the spirit, that part of your brain that's normally engaged and is functioning when you're talking normally is now not engaged. It's neutral. But the part of you that actually receives is actually active. Even though you don't understand it. Why? Because it's building you up. It's building you up. It's like that alternator in your car. Generator for the older generation, although there ain't no generators unless you got an old-time car today. Alternator in the new one. The reason you can go out there and turn that key and it starts is because something's got to recharge that battery. It's called an alternator. It runs in there. What it does is it sends charge to the battery to recharge it and keep it ready for when you need it. I wish Christians would learn this about praying in the Holy Ghost because I'm about to share with you one of our spiritual dads who I love dearly, who I miss dearly, Dr. Hilton Sutton, talked about this very thing for a believer. Again, number two on your notes, praying in conjunction with the Holy Spirit will have what? Tremendous effect of building yourself up. 2A, learn how to pray, excuse me, learn now to pray in tongues as often as you can. Watch this, underline it, as this gift is for what? It's for you. He gave this gift for you. He gave this gift of you and I being able to pray in the supernatural language as a gift to help you. Why would you not use it? Right? Imagine, you know, let's say, uh, shout out one of your most favorite restaurants you like to go to. La Hacienda Ranch. So let's say La Hacienda Ranch, one of your favorite restaurants, somebody comes along and they buy you a $100 gift card for La Hacienda Ranch. Say, here you go, I want to give you a $100 gift card for La Hacienda Ranch. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, glory to God. So you have a gift to use. Listen carefully. You have a gift to use, but you just lay it down and you don't use it. Then why do you have it? Well, you just want to look at it. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it pretty? $100 gift card. That's not why they gave it to you. They didn't give it to you to just admire it and look at it. But a lot of people just look at the Bible or the, the things of God. They admire them and look at them, but they don't use them. That gift was given for you to use. The gift of praying in the Holy Spirit was given for you to use. Why? Because it'll help you build you up spiritually. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, just come talk to me, and we'll help you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
2A again. So you need to learn now. Learn now. Learn now. Especially the day you're living in. Learn now to pray in tongues as often as you can. B, this is from our, past, our uh, pastor's, one of his spiritual fathers, who also was one of our spiritual dads, Dr. Sutton. Dr. Hilton Sutton once told Brother Barclay, I heard, and I can't tell you how many times I heard him say it when I was with pastor, and I would take him to visit Dr. Sutton. And I'd hear him, t- they talk about this all the time. Dr. Hilton Sutton once told uh, Brother Barclay, our pastor, that the biggest problem, the biggest problem with the body of Christ is they do not pray in tongues even 15 minutes a day. Just 15 minutes a day undisturbed out of a 24-hour period. There is nothing you can declare according to the Word of God. There's nothing you can declare from Scripture about your life that will build you up faster than praying in the Holy Spirit. God's Word will help strengthen you, but not as quick as praying in the Holy Ghost. It's instantaneous. You are building yourself up on your most holy faith. Guess what you need to learn to do? You need to learn to start using that every single day. Now, as I taught you, which we recently touched on this, what else are you doing when you're praying in the Holy Spirit? Guess what? You're speaking in forth into existence what's going to come up before you that God wants to bring into manifestation. Nothing comes into existence unless it's first spoken. God knows what you need in the future. And as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, he's already speaking through you, setting you up. Because your tongue, James 3, sets on fire the course of nature your life's going to go. Yeah, but I don't know what is in the natural. Let me help you. It's good. It's good. Because everything God has for you is good. 2C, much of what robs us of our fervency and zeal is the negative meditations of our mind thinking wrong things but as you pray in the spirit yes your understanding is unfruitful but guess what as i pray in the spirit i now engage my spirit man and therefore i put my mind in neutral and there i allow myself to be built up and strengthened so start praying the holy ghost more church ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4. If you, you know, all the, all the great men of God that I've gleaned from, learned from, that have helped me, amazing, 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 amazing how God, when I'm a young, as a young, as a young believer, not even a pastor, just a young believer, you know, I'm looking for somebody to teach me the Bible and learn and want to grow and I'm hungry and, and all of a sudden I wind up getting directed to Kenneth Hagin and man, I just loved hearing his stuff. I just would feed on that, feed on that, feed on that. That, of course, led me to understanding more about Lester Sumrall as he would talk about Dr. Sumrall and Smith Wigglesworth and lo and behold, Smith Wigglesworth and Lester Sumrall, uh, you know, were, were uh, uh, com- you know, connected together. Lester Sumrall uh, was a son to Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth poured into his life. It's amazing. But I'll tell you what I've learned from all of these men of God over and over and over again. All these men of God and women of God I've learned that were great women of God as well, praying the Holy Ghost all the time. All the time. There's not a day go by that they wouldn't pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Wigglesworth would jump up first thing in the morning, take communion, start praising God, and go into praying in tongues every morning. He'd go to sleep praying in tongues. Brother Hagin, many nights, he said, I'd lay there for hours and just pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, no wonder they were so strong. You want to know why Paul was able? You know, we talk about this with Paul. Paul faced a lot of hardships, a lot of challenges, right? How many have been stoned and left for dead outside of a city? Well, you haven't gotten to the point where Paul was at yet. And yet Paul said, but these light afflictions, are you kidding me? But why did he look at them as light afflictions? I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you one of the clues why. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, I pray more than you all. In talking about tongues, praying in tongues. I pray in tongues more than y'all. I'll guarantee you what, he knew how to stay strong. Ephesians chapter 4, you there? Ephesians chapter 4, on your notes there, number 3, every believer everywhere must feed off the ministry gifts that the Lord has given to them. Because you're going to see these fivefold ministry gifts are what help keep us strong as well. We're talking about charging our battery tonight, church. Ephesians 4.11 And he, talking about Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, what we know as the fivefold ministry, fivefold ministry gifts. Now the word some, he gave some to be, means a select few. God didn't assign a whole bunch of people to be fivefold ministers, a select few. Because you know what he really needs? He needs a body going out and doing what they've been equipped to do. Verse 12, what is he giving this uh, fivefold ministry for? 
multiple reasons. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, listen, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that means mature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 14, listen to this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. 15, but we should learn understanding what the Bible teaches about truth, about the speaking of the truth in love, so we may what? Grow up, get stronger spiritually. Grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Amen? Amen. On your notes there, under number 3, 3A, there is a God-given gift deposited in every five-fold leader that we can draw strength from and feed off of. Because what that gift does is it helps us to be equipped. That empowers us and edifies the body of Christ, makes us stronger. We're no longer children, immature Christians. The word children there is napios. It means an immature believer. Immature believers are not strong. They're weak. But you got to draw off of those ministry gifts. Every time we bring another minister into this pulpit, they're part of the five-fold ministry. We're blessed with some great, 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 great connections with five-fold ministers. I had a guy that's just out of the blue, you know, from another country said, Hey, I, I send out invites to all kinds of churches everywhere. Would you like me to come and speak? I said, I love you. Appreciate the invite. No. We have connections with people that we know. I, I know nothing about the guy's personal life, so I'm not going to bring him in my church because I have no idea if he's a true prophet or not, a true minister or not. How do you know him? By their fruits. That's talking about lifestyle. On top of that, we have lots of connections with lots of ministers through our pastor, Dr. Barclay, and our spiritual fathers. I got all the access I need to fivefold spiritual ministry gifts to help us that God wants us to have here to help build this church, help strengthen us. Amen. But every time one comes, whether it's your pastor week in and week out, or a Terry Mize, or a prophet like Dr. Barclay, or anybody else we bring in, Johnny Rowlett, he's coming back, by the way, first of next year. He's now back to traveling. So realize these fivefold gifts are doing what? They're equipping us. If we're receiving off of them what God has for us off of their life, by applying what we learn, guess what we're doing? We're getting stronger. We're getting stronger. We're charging our battery. 3B, Jesus has set these people in our lives to do what? Encourage us and build us up. B1, be sure that you are what? Receiving from them, not what? So the key there is, am I listening to what God is saying through these fivefold ministry gifts? Or am I so caught up? You know, the Bible says if you receive a prophet, how many know what that verse says? What does it say? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. What do you mean in the name of a prophet? You've got to receive that prophet in the very fact of the name of the prophet, meaning you acknowledge God gifted him to help me. has nothing to do with what he looks like, what he sounds like, in relationship to his tone of voice, whatever. Some people get all hung up on all those kind of things. But if you truly have a true prophet of God, or the context of that word prophet just doesn't mean one who prophesies, I'm considered by God a prophetic voice in your life. Because one who, quote unquote, is operating under the New Testament aspect of prophecy is saying what God wants you to say. Yes, there's a specific gift of the prophet. I don't walk in that. But I do, I do at times get prophetic words. But even what I'm doing right now is prophetic. God's speaking to me as I'm speaking to you about what to say. So you got to understand, I've got to receive that gift. And I've got to therefore receive what he's saying what they're speaking into my life for me to get the benefit of it. If I am resisting them in any way because I don't like their approach to that, I don't like what they said, I don't like the way they said it, whatever. If they're teaching me the Bible and I'm allowing those things to alter how I listen to them, I'm not going to get built up. Amen. Amen. I've heard my pastor say things many times that when I first heard it, I didn't like to hear it. But I'll guarantee you what, I've learned to receive it because I know it's going to help my life. Amen. Number four, we must always, without ceasing, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Some think the milk of the Word is only for baby Christians. Wrong. Anybody still drink milk today? Yeah, I still drink milk today. So I guess I'm the only one? 1 Peter... We got to understand what receiving the milk of the word is about. That's the problem, is many people do not understand 
what the milk of the word is about. But without the milk of the word, you will stop growing according to the word of God. You and I never want to stop enjoying and receiving the milk of God's word. It helps us to grow and develop. How many, how many ever did chocolate milk when you was a kid growing up? Yes. And remember, what was it, Nesquik? What was it called? Oh, I was like Nesquik or something. Oh, by Nestle. Oh, man, you kidding me? I didn't do one scoop. <laughs> I didn't do two scoops. <laughs> no, man. I did at least three scoops. Well, you got to stir that baby. And I left the spoon in the, cl- in the glass. Because after a while, I said, there, I got to stir back up. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now you're all wanting some chocolate milk. 1 <laughs> Peter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, to as newborn babes. Now, notice it said as. So, it didn't say you are one any longer. You shouldn't be. At some point, you ought to grow up. But notice this. Just like a newborn babe, or in the same way, like a newborn babe desires the pure milk of the word, you desire. Say desire. desire. Circle that word. Highlight that word. See, because if you don't desire the pure milk of the word, you won't stick with it. You desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That you may, that you may, that you may grow thereby. So the phrase growing here is another term for recharging, getting stronger. Verse 3, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious or in essence good. How many of you know have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Well, if you want to get more of his goodness of what he has for you, you're going to have to what? You've got to have this desire for the milk of the word. So it kind of goes along with what I've taught you for years about being a disciple. Because we're strong on being a disciple of Christ. The Bible didn't tell us, quote, unquote, just get them born again. Thank God you want to get people born again. But Jesus said, go make disciples. It's a given to do that. You've got to get them into the kingdom. But that wasn't the ultimate end goal. The ultimate end goal was make them a disciple. I love, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard my pastor teach on it and I've taught it to you. A lot of people think they're disciples just because they got born again. No, you're a convert. Right, right. Then if you keep developing, growing, you become an epistle, a living letter. Right. Then you become a disciple of Jesus. Right. Discipline in your walk with God. Right. And then you actually step into the context of ministry, what God's ultimate calling is for you. Not fivefold or necessarily even full time, but what God's called you to do to serve. Ministry serving with your life in God. Amen. Amen. But understand this, this is so important for you and I to keep growing. What do we got to do? Desire this pure milk. So like a disciple, Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Anyone desires to come after me. The phrase come after me, the Greek language literally says, if anyone wants to be my disciple. That's the way it should have been. Written in the English because the Greek language actually says it directly that way. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So that's what I focused on. For years I focused on that. You want to be a disciple? Guess what? Got to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. But I missed the most important part of the verse. He said, if anyone desires. What if you don't have the desire? You won't make a disciple out of it. If you don't have a desire for the sincere milk of the word, you will not grow as a believer. If you don't have and maintain a desire for the sincere milk of the word, you will not continue to grow as a believer. Your growth will stagnate. You won't keep recharging. You won't get stronger. In essence, you'll actually, in a way, become weaker. So what's the pure milk of the word? We're going to see it in just a minute. 4A, this milk of the word is what therefore causes us to what? Grow and keep growing. So that would be obviously a charge, a recharging, because we're becoming stronger. For B, if you don't keep craving, craving, desiring this part of the word, then you will not pay attention to it. And, of course, we'll stop growing. going to say that again. If you don't keep craving, keep craving, keep desiring this part of the word. What is this part of the word? I'm about to tell you. Guess what will happen? You won't pay attention to it. And, of course, you will what? Stop growing. Back your notes. For C, when you stop growing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get discouraged and become stale. Not good. You're going to become weaker. So what's the pure milk of the word? Glad you asked. 4D, the milk of the word is hearing the word of God preached. 
That's the milk. See, you got a desire to continue to hear the word preached. I will promise you today, if every believer in this area that was called to be here, in this church, had a desire for the pure milk of the word, these seats would be full, and we would be trying to find more seats to fit in here until we get that new church built. But the reason they're not is because people don't desire the pure milk of the word. Well, what's the, see, there's milk of the word and there's meat of the word. There's a difference. What's the milk? Hearing it preached. So what's the meat? Thank you. The meat of the word is doing it. Doing it, putting it in application. The reason you get the pure milk is so you can do what? Actually develop and grow and mature and start getting into the meat of the word by applying it to your life and walking it out. Not just hearing it. But you got to maintain this craving. Come on. This desire, this hunger for the preaching of the word. If you don't, I'll guarantee you this won't be a priority in your life. The milk of the word is hearing it preached as newborn babes. Maintain this craving, desire to hear the word preached. And if you don't, guess what you won't do? You won't keep growing. It's that simple. A lot of Christians don't understand why they're so affected by so many things in life. Because they will not come and hear the word preached so they can learn how to apply it to their life. They don't think they need to. And they don't realize how much they really do. And without that desire, you're not going to show up in church. You're not going to continue to hear it preach. You know how bad a desire I had to be a world champion bull rider? Come on, some of you heard my story before. Sorry to bore you with it again. But for five years, does anybody remember? Come on, this will be on next year's Pastor Appreciation little game show. How many, how many qualified rides? See, these two are brand new to our church, and they already know, man. Come on, Barry and Charlotte, they already got it down. One qualified ride. Seriously, in five years. Well, don't you think you ought to quit? I had a desire. I had a desire to do this and get good at it and become a professional. And guess what? I obtained my desire because I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't give up. I desired it so... Now, wait a minute. You got to get a hold of what I'm about to tell you. I desired it so much that I worked a job driving a cement mixer. And in Phoenix, Arizona, I worked an average of 60 to 70 hours a week and yet I went to a minimum two, and most of the time, three rodeos in a weekend. Wow. Yeah. I ain't got time for church. I got all these things to do. I worked 60 to 70 hours a week, and I still made a minimum of two, and most of the time, three rodeos in a weekend. The minute I got off work, I was in my vehicle driving somewhere to get to a rodeo, or on a plane flying somewhere to get to a rodeo once I got my PRCA car, because they're all over. And I would try to work it out to be able to hit three in a weekend. They have what they call slack, meaning that it's not an actual performance like in the afternoon or evening. It'd be in the morning time they'll run off extra bull riders. So I would try to go to a performance on a Saturday night, a slack on a Sunday morning, a performance on a Sunday night. I would drive hours to get back into Phoenix, Arizona because I had to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning to be in my mixer to go out and pour concrete. And I did that for three and a half years. Are you listening? I'm telling you, most of the time on the way to the rodeos, I'm driving hours and hours to get to the rodeo with guys in me, you know, guys in my van with me as we're driving to the, and I'm serious, man, fighting to stay awake, you know, doing whatever I could to get there. I'm serious, man. I got so bad at times, you know, so sleepy, like we'd be driving all night to get to the next rodeo. And like in the wintertime, it does get a little cold, you know, in different states you go to and stuff. I'm serious, man. I would get, it would be like 30s outside, 20, 30s outside. And I'm fighting to stay awake. I'd roll down my window. I'd stick my head out the window. Seriously, just to get it freezing cold to stay awake. I'm not joking. What do you call that, Pastor? Well, I call that stupid, Pastor. No, let me tell you what it was. That was desire. That was a desire. That was a desire so strong in me that nothing was going to keep me from doing it. And when I got born again and started walking with God, God said, what if you had that desire for me? Do you desire the sincere milk of the word that bad? Most Christians don't. The littlest of things can keep them from getting under the preaching of the word of God. But see, without it, you don't grow. Now I'm going to read it again. Some of you are looking at me like I'm actually making this stuff up. I'm going to read it again. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Why? Because if you don't have the desire, you won't show up. 
you don't have the desire, you won't get under the... I'm not saying you never miss church. Come on, you guys know this. You've been here long enough to know there's times you're going to miss church. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you, and I miss some rodeos sometimes. But I'm just telling you, man, I fought through a lot of stuff in my life that wanted to stop me and keep me from becoming a bull rider. And I wasn't going to let it. I even told bosses of mine. Now, I told them, I said, listen, I'll work for you Monday through Friday. But don't even think about working me on a weekend. I'll give, you, I'll give you all the hours you want Monday through Friday. I'm here for you. But when Saturday comes, see you. I'm gone. I'm rodeoing. You don't like it? Don't hire me. It's kind of arrogant. Back in my days, kind of like today, they couldn't find workers. And if you would work, people would hire you in a heartbeat because they couldn't hardly find people to work. This ain't nothing new. This ain't just a COVID thing. Right? Cycles come and go. When I was a kid, people were having a hard time finding good solid workers. If you were a good hard worker, people would keep you because they couldn't find anybody else to do the job. I guarantee you, not a, lot of, not a lot of cement mixer companies, I mean, Josh can tell you, he works for one taking care of the trucks. They don't usually find a lot of workers that want to put that kind of hour, those kind of hours in. Now, sad to say, I don't like the companies doing that, I'll be honest with you, because they don't give you any time for family or anything else. Every construction job I've had, not all of them could necessarily be this way, because I know Gary uh, Smith, who's in Pastor's Church, who's a drywaller, doesn't work his guys like this, but almost all construction's the same. It's feast or famine. And most of the time, if there's plenty of work, guess what? It's feast, meaning what? You don't have any time off. They're going to work you to the core of your being because they're making profit, man. They're not going to stop making profit as long as they can get somebody out there to do the work. They don't really care about you so much. Not all of them, but most of them don't. They're just looking at their profit. You listening? I quit a job here driving a rock truck because I was working for a company who was doing the same thing with me. They were driving me 60, 70, 80 hours a week, most of the time 70, 80 hours a week. I told you my story. I fell asleep behind the wheel going up the hill at Bridgeport to go to the crusher and did not know I fell asleep and my, I'm empty and my truck drifted over into the lane. I have a loaded truck coming down the hill at me. 65 miles an hour coming down the hill, laying on his horn. Thank God he did not swerve over into my lane because when he shook, got, when I got, I swerved over immediately. If he'd have gone over my lane, we'd have hit head on. I probably wouldn't be here. And you know, I got out of that truck, I mean, just five miles up the road. I was awake then. I'm telling you, I was, I was shaking. I got up the road. I pulled over and got out of that truck and I said, I'm done. I'm done with this. I am not going to do this for somebody to make profit off of me and not give me any time at all to recover. Right. Now, I don't know about today, but back then, the truckers back then locally didn't have to keep what they call a log, which you could cheat them anyway, but you didn't have to keep a log where you're only allowed to drive so many hours and you had to be off so many hours. There was no such thing. They could work as much as they wanted. We used to pray for rain. Rain, rain. Rain, come on, rain. Because if it would pray, if it would rain for days, you get off. Yeah. You get finally get some time off. Yeah. Couldn't get you on a job. It's too muddy. Can't get you in without getting the truck stuck. I would pray for rain. Come on, rain, please, God, glory to God, let it rain. So understand this. If you have that kind of a desire for the word, you're gonna be one strong believer. Amen. Better amen than that. First Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14. If you don't maintain that desire, desire, you know that desire is not in your flesh, it's in your spirit. And that's where you got to draw from that desire is in your spirit because your spirit loves being fed. Your spirit loves being fed spiritual things literally as much and honestly I'd say more than your physical body likes being fed. Anybody here, is your physical body like being fed? Nobody here does? We were driving back from Amarillo, Kathy's like, well, we need to wait around in Amarillo to have lunch here because we'd have to wait till we get to Wichita Falls. I said, I'm not sitting here today till lunch to eat. I said, we're going to take off. We're going to get to Wichita Falls. We'll get there by 1.30. 1.30. I said, yeah, 1.30, man. We'll get there by 1.30. Okay, we're stopping and snacking on the way. So your body, <laughs> your body wants food and I'll be guilty. I'll, hey, I'm, we stopped at a place where there was a Cinnabon. Yeah, get me one of those right there. One of those little Cinnabon things. Yeah, it was. We'll, have one of those. well, guess what? Your spirit loves feeding that much and more yeah. on the things of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You can't let your carnal flesh get in the way of that. Right. Number five, being spiritual consistently, under that word, please. Being spiritual what? Consistently. Plays a major role in getting and staying in the flow. Flow what? Flow of the spirit, therefore empowered by God. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, you there? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I want you to look at this verse closely. 
Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Notice the word gifts is italicized. Why? It's not in the original language. It's not in the original Hebrew. This was added by English translators. What it actually says is, pursue love and desire spiritual. Desire spiritual. Yeah, desire to be spiritual. Desire to be spiritual. Not just spiritual gifts. Desire to be spirit-governed, spirit-ruled. Desire to be spiritual, but especially that you may what? Prophesy. Why? Verse 2. Because he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks what? Mysteries. But he who prophesies. Now this is simple prophecy. This is not words of wisdom, words of knowledge. So if you don't know about the gifts of the spirit, there's what's known as simple prophecy which is words of exhortation, edification, and comfort to men. We can all do that, the Bible says. We can all speak words that exhort, that edify, and that comfort. Exhorting means that you're, just, you know, you're spurring somebody on. Comforting means you're giving them some comforting words. Amen? Amen. Exhortation, comfort, listen, and edification. Meaning what? Now you're building them up. So these aren't words of wisdom or words of knowledge. Words of wisdom is what? Anybody remember? What's a word of wisdom? Future event. What's a word of knowledge? Current or past. So that's not what this is talking about. This prophecy here is talking about simple prophecy. So verse 3 says that he who prophesies speaks, here it is, edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort to men. Four, notice this. But he who speaks in a tongue does what? What does he do? He edifies who? Himself. But he who prophesies is doing what? Edifying the church. Notice what Paul said. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Meaning what? Don't stop speaking in tongues. Notice, but even, but even more that you prophesied. Now, he's talking about the Corinthians, what they were doing in church services. Because when they came together, do you know what their problem was? They were actually so zealous for spiritual gifts. They're talking to each other in tongues. There's no, there, there's, there's nothing that comes out of that. I, okay, let me talk to you. Okay, what'd you get out of that? Nothing. Nothing. That's what they were doing. They were speaking to one of their tongues. And that's why he goes on later in this chapter and says, how is it that if somebody comes in and you're speaking to one of their tongues, they're going to think you're nuts. You're not helping each other. He didn't say don't pray. He didn't say don't, don't join together as a church and pray in the Spirit. Because the Bible even says tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. Well, what are you going to do? Go down through Walmart and, and speak in tongues so unbelievers can get a sign from you? No. No. So he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies, he who simply does what? Speak words of edification, exhortation, comfort to men, obviously is helping the church. Five, but I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more, talking about in the church that you would prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues in the church, unless indeed he what? Interprets it that the church may receive edification. So don't confuse verse 5 with him saying you shouldn't be speaking in tongues. No, you should be. He's talking about, but in the church, as you're speaking, not praying, speaking in tongues, if it's not interpreted, nobody gets edification, exhortation, or comfort out of that. You listening? So we're talking about a directed word speaking to somebody else in tongues. It does them no good if you're not doing what? Interpreting what's being said. If I don't interpret what God said through me just a moment ago, that does you no good. It don't even build you up spiritually. Builds me up spiritually, but it doesn't build you up. So what he's saying is in the church, you should not be speaking to one another in tongues unless it's interpreted. Because then it will bring exhortation, edification, and comfort. The whole point I'm trying to make, though, is, but when you are speaking in a tongue to yourself and in your own private life and even praying in tongues in church, you're building yourself up. For the sake of time, uh, we don't really have a lot of time to do this, but I want to drop down here and show this. Drop down a little further in the chapter. If you go down here to verse 13, Therefore let him who speak in a tongue pray that he may interpret. 14, for, talking about in the church. But notice this, 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my what? My what? My spirit prays, but my understanding is what? Unfruitful. Look at verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the unformed say amen at your watch, giving of thanks? When you're praying, guess what you're also doing? You're giving thanks. 18, here it is. I thank my God I speak in tongues with more than you all. So he's not telling you not to do it. He's just saying in the church you shouldn't be talking to one another in tongues because you're not helping each other at all. 
But you should pray and you should be speaking in tongues daily. 5a, it is energizing to flow, obviously, in any of the gifts of the Spirit, but praying in tongues does what? Edifies you. Acts 16, come on, we're running out of time quickly. Acts 16, as we always do. I am going to get a magnet that I can turn on and off on the clock. It'll hold the arm from moving, and that way I can say, see, it's still early. Praise God. Lots of time. Acts 16, 22, this is powerful. Number six, praising God, especially in the midst of adversity, will charge you up and actually bring God on the scene. Remember this? Acts 16, 22. Then the multitude, what are we talking about? Charging our battery. The multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas, and the magistrates. They tore off their clothes. They commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, 24, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Let me tell you, inner prison is the place where all the sewage of the city winds up. They're standing in that. They're standing in that. 25, but at midnight, darkest time of the night. Watch this. What was Paul and Silas doing? They were praying and, underline it, singing hymns to God, charging their battery. Say, charging their battery. And the prisoners were what? Listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing that, of course, the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself, verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Realize one of the greatest ways you can continue to build yourself up spiritually, charge your batteries to do what? Praise God, number six, especially in the midst of what? Adversity. Adversity. Philemon. Come on, one of the New Testament books that you study daily, I'm sure. Philemon. Same thing, one chapter, small book. Go with me to the book of Philemon. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Philemon chapter 1. Are you there? Yes, no, maybe. Trying to find the right. That is not correct. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. This is a typo on your notes. Please change it. It's Philemon 1 7. Correct that for me. Not 1 9. It should be 1 7. I'm looking at verse 9. I'm saying that ain't the right verse. Look at verse 7. For we have great joy. Say great joy. Great. We have great joy and consolation, comfort in your love. Why? Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Refresh would be another word of recharging. On your notes, number seven, guess what? As we minister to others and refresh them, it spreads joy and actually charges everyone up. Amen. Got to close with this one. Psalm 16. Love this verse. Love it, love it, love it. Psalm 16. You getting any help tonight? We need to recharge and stay charged up. Psalm 16. What am I doing in Proverbs? That won't work. Psalm 16. Proverbs 16 won't work for that verse. I love this verse. Psalm 16, verse 11. If you're there, say amen. Amen. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of And the joy of the Lord is your... The joy of the Lord is your... Aha. So in his presence is fullness of, of what again? Joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Number eight on your notes tonight, don't forget that the one person in the whole universe who can charge you up no matter what has drained you is who? It is the Lord. It's getting in the Lord's presence. 8b, be sure therefore to do what? Spend time with the Lord in his presence because if you do, guess what you're going to do? You're going to see fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord brings great strength. Great strength. Amen.
pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.